that's my new favorite. So, Julie, yeah. as you're pouring, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about your feelings. Which ones? Well, about Outlander, about my marriage. About <laughs> Let's start with your marriage. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> about the state of the world. Pick about a, the National Football League. Pick a feeling. About any LeBron feeling. James. Let's, about you know what? Like, no. Let's start with LeBron James. I love him. I hated him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. It goes back and forth. I love you too, you bum. Right now, it's a solid love. You know, LeBron James was when I realized that I wouldn't be famous. <laughs> Freshman year of college, and this 18-year-old becomes the biggest player in the world, and I was like, well, I'm done. Hey, he was famous before he was 18. <laughs> I peaked. That's true, yeah. Um, feelings about Outlander, is that really what you're going for, since that's what our podcast is about? I mean, maybe I want to, now I want to go to your marriage, but if- Oh no, that's we, good. That's solid. That's okay, rock cool. solid. All right, so feelings Dick about Outlander. Solid. Oh boy. Ooh. Just saying. Um, well, I love the show, you guys. I don't read the books. Take from that what you will. P.S. <laughs> Please stop telling me what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I shouldn't reasonably expect that, but sometimes it hurts my feelers. Can I ask and you? And it really hurt my feelers this time. Can I ask you? Yeah. Um, spoilers or no spoilers mm-hmm. about your emotional state regarding Outlander on this particular day? I am both sad and filled with hope for the future with a certain character. Okay. Mm-hmm. On that note. Um, Listeners, you should know that while walking here from a certain local brewery that <clears throat> explores the signs of beer, <laughs> that I stopped at a pretty shady liquor store to buy a $19 pint of a very nice bourbon called Bullet, which, by the way, is Neil Starbird's favorite. Happy birthday, Neil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that we could have this moment. I would like to raise a glass to an actor of incredible caliber. God, what is the toast he does during the wedding? To a man of grace and cunning. It's not cunning. No, but I I really (laughs) wish that it was. To a gentleman with an exquisite jawline. To a fella. Weird vertical lines down the sides of his face. To a person who makes his eyes look like they're differently spaced apart, (laughs) depending on which character he's playing. And to... A guy who I hope will be very famous in the future. Yes. Let's say his name together. Tobias Manas. Cheers. 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 I'm about to drain this puppy. Mm. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, that was delicious. Oh, no. really good. And that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, my God. It's 5 p.m. We've done a shot, and that should let you know how we feel about this episode of Podlander Drumcast, an Outlander podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. And that's Janine. Hi. And today we are talking about season three, episode three. Julie, what's it called? All debts paid. All pets Dade. Laid. Oh, about? that's gross. This is about the Lannisters? Uh, well, <laughs> might as well be by the end. Sorry, it's, um, so, I have super complicated feelings about this episode, which are going to come out. And this would be a good time to remind everybody that we've got three different viewing experiences. Me, Allison, I've read almost all the books 
which means most of the novellas, both of the outlandish companions, the cookbook. Oh my God. And I've watched the show. Julie has read none of those things, but watches the show. Mm -hmm. Janine watches whatever episode per season we tell him to watch and occasionally YouTube clips of boning. (laughs) Really, that's my favorite part. (laughs) You know, today I was going through my phone trying to clear up space and I stumbled on all the photos we took of you watching the wedding. (laughs) It's just delightful. (laughs) There's a lot of covering of his mouth. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. And I am gentleman enough to have not checked to see whether or not he had a boner. So uh-huh. Probably. <laughs> um, I admire your honesty, sir. So as a result, I knew once it started what was going to happen in this episode. I did too. Julie sadly. sort of knew because it was pretty much spoiled for her on the internet. Um, Janine, I just got to get off the internet. That's all. No, but you it's can't. It's time for me to move to my cave, you guys. You can't. Who's coming and, with me? Well, you can't watch Outlander in your cave, man. We're going to make so much cheese. I have a go bag. Let's go. I also have a go bag. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude. Neil and I do not have a go bag. Well, you need one. This is not a great time to live in this country. No. Yeah. Actually, this, you know how many people... This is a su- huge sidetrack, but seriously, I have conversations about go bags, like, weekly. Like, with people. You I guys, have complicated feelings about my go bag because I'm not sure how much cat stuff to include. Here's the thing. Because there's I'm part of me that <laughs> thinks it might be kinder to just let Nancy go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need an email group group email okay. where you guys tell me what you have in your go bag so I can see what I can do about that before we leave today I'll show you mine oh my god but I can't even show you mine because I don't have one uh, I have only used mine once I remember it was a tornado warning mm-hmm. oh yeah in Rogers Park oh and at that point I had cat stuff in the go bag so I put Nancy in her carrier I grabbed the go bag I threw in the things I knew I wanted to throw in which were mostly like bottled water Mm-hmm. Uh, refrigerated bottled water and cat food, which at that point I didn't have in my go bag, but now I debate about having in my go bag because weight is also a concern. You know, also, complicated. You should just- and then I sat in the bathroom for like 45 minutes. She was really pissed, but eventually she calmed down and then nothing happened because of course nothing happens because most of the time when you have a tornado warning, nothing happens except for the one time it does. Also, except for the one time your dad gets sucked out of the cellar in front of your five-year-old eyes. Right? Seriously, you, an entire career starts that way. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a career sometimes starts a that way. Sometimes a whole career starts that way. Uh, also, this would be a great time to say hey, if any of you listening are people with money and some of you are our patrons, so I know you have at least a little to spare because you're giving money to us, which we really appreciate. Thank you for being patrons. We'll list you by name later. Um, This would be a good time to send some money to Puerto Rico, uh, which is drowning. So um, my company matches 100%, so tomorrow I'm sending something in. I oh, wanted, that's great. My, oh, when we did the uh, Harvey donation, it was incredible. Like our office alone, my company has like seven offices worldwide. My office alone raised more than $10,000. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping we'll do the same, but it's weird because it's that weird fatigue thing, you know, where people are like, oh, but I already did it. it well, but it's different. It's hard because it's, it's hard. Um, mm. So uh, real quick, speaking of Fatigue. Fatigue. We're drinking Empirical Brewery. We're not fatigued of Empirical Brewery. No, never. Uh, Not at all. Oh, my God. Now I'm in a different, now I'm in a different ear. Now I'm in a different ear. Now I'm in, like, different ears. Oh, my God. It's like Wayne's World. (laughs) (laughs) I've got vertigo. There we go. I I got a touch of the dizzy. I have a touch of the dizzy. I'm sorry. I just couldn't hear us. And I was like, what? Hey, your mic's not a thing now. What is going on, everyone? I am. Not here? Am I here? No. And I'm not here? Sort of. Only sort of. And the people love Janine with a mic, so we need Janine with a mic. That was a big thing that Tom, uh, Tom was telling me last night. He was like, Twitter's going cray-cray for you right now. <laughs> 
It's true. <laughs> uh, well, Janine Fiddles, yeah, um, uh, we are drinking Empirical Brewery's Cold Fusion Cream Ale. No. no, sorry, we saved that. Prairie Pollinator. Prairie, Prairie Pollinator, it's a, an American wheat ale. It's made, uh, fermented on honey from farm barn. Barn farm? And I'm guessing yeah, here... Either one's good. <laughs> there we go, sounds amazing. I'm guessing here, but I'm guessing that they ferment most of the sugar out of the honey, because it's not particularly it's sweet. It's pretty dry. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good, but dry, it's nice, it's great. mild. But it is a 5.8 ABV, so it is sessionable, but on the high end of session. Uh, before that we did shots of Bullet Bourbon's Frontier Whiskey um, oh. which is also sessionable depending on your state of mind. <laughs> I mean depending on <laughs> depending on who you are. Depending on how strong your liver is. Okay. Um, we. I feel like we've been putting off well I mean the clearly. sad business that we have to do today. I don't yes. Um, uh. There are the reason that I describe uh, our relative relationships to Outlander now is that I have a feeling our reactions are going to be very different. Um, and that's great. And that's part of why, I mean, we do a lot of joking on this podcast and mostly the reason this exists is that Julie is hilarious <laughs> and I'm a drunk. So, <laughs> well, we're both drunk. I mean, those, those really Venn diagram balls cross hard. Yes. How do we, like we have, we all have some. I mean, if I'm doing yeah. an elevator pitch meeting about the podcast, I say Julie is the funny one. I'm the TV critic and Janine is the brains. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. But really, it's like Julie could be a critic if she wanted to. I am occasionally funny. And if Janine watched the show, then she would also be those other things. Have sentient criticism about it. Yeah. And like still does, even without watching it. So it's a lot less, um, uh, I don't know, separated than Mm -hmm. I would say in a pitch meeting. But in this case, we really do have three very distinct points of view. so we're going to do things like we normally do. We're going to do the summary that we talk through. I will probably end up talking through part of that about my reaction to the adaptation and uh, my perspective, which is, I, I'm going to say, first and foremost, it's going to be very different than I think a lot of fans who've read the book's response to the adaptation because I have very specific views on adaptation. Anyway, um, and then we'll do all the shit at the end and that'll be normal. But don't uh, forget... Je suis spoiler. Oh, yeah. We have and been we will coached do. that it must be called Je suis spoiler. No, we had a... Oh, the MVP somebody, section had a different name. Somebody, yeah, somebody on Twitter, and I can't remember it. I should have looked it up before. He was like, I don't remember if it's the spoiler section unless you say Je suis spoiler. <laughs> okay, and somebody, because like I said, I was an empirical before I came here. Somebody needs to remind me that fucking perfect MVP section name. That was suggested on Twitter. MVP, TGP, something, the Grand Pamplemousse, the, the Golden Pamplemousse. The Golden ca- Pamplemousse. Yes. It's TGP. TGP, oh, MVP. It's uh, fucking on Twitter. And oh, my God. I'm we're gonna, sorry. I think that's Jen Lander, isn't it? It's, it's not. Dr. I'm, J? It's I'm, Dr. J. I think J. maybe it's Dr. J. I'm going to double check. Regardless, if it's not either of you, you should know that we assumed it would be one of you we're gonna check who it is before the end of the episode i think jenny is checking it right now actually i'm actually yeah, I'm actually, I'm yeah. Right okay cool. anyway <laughs> um so we'll still do those things but it's going to be a little bit different because it's going to be a little more tv crit heavy um and a little more delineation between book reader and non-book reader than most of our episodes mm-hmm. um if you don't want to hear discussion of the books this is an episode you should save for later um you just should but don't, because we'll be funny and whatever. The books have been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I almost want to do another shot. I'm not going to. Don't do that. But we have a, we have, have half of a growler feelings. here, and we have a full other growler in the fridge. That's true. Okay, Just keep it together. Shoot well, let's get started with this timeline hopping, very depressing, extremely mm-hmm. complicated, joyful, mournful episode of Outlander. There is really a lot. It is, there are a lot of changes in relationships, creation of relationships, sadness, happiness. There's, it's just, there's a lot. And and it seems like it's a very simple episode, but really it's very, very layered and very deep. It is. And it also compresses a huge huge section of the book. So is it like, is it like a whole book goes down or like half of the book goes down? it's not the whole book, but it is a, it is larger. It is a larger section of the book than previous episodes have been. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a lot less emotionally dense as a result. Got it. Um, Yeah. And we'll get into that, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm very curious about your reaction because mm-hmm. I know how I felt as a person who's read the book, books about um, the representation of the events. This is mm-hmm. a, for the most part, a very faithful adaptation. There is one major change, which is <laughs> thank God, Marta. wonderful. Thank God, Marta. Thank but um, wait, wait, where's my fan? Oh shit, I didn't bring my purse. But there's a. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a. Uh, there are, it's mostly very faithful. Um, it's just super duper condensed. Um, and I think from my point of view, some of the richness is lost. So I'm curious about your perspective because if it doesn't feel, if it feels emotionally rich to you, then I am probably It didn't, it did. I don't know if I would say emotionally rich. I would say that it is dense because you understand and they keep drawing attention to how much time has passed. Like every time there's a new scene at the prison, they'll be like, it's been three years. It's been three months. And so they're very clearly trying to nudge, nudge, wink, wink that so much time has passed Mm -hmm. without seeing what happened in that time. Mm -hmm. So I will say that we do miss something. Um, But I will, specifically the introduction of Lord John is very good. And that right. and that is because the actor who is playing him is incredible. I agree. Very good casting, really well done. Let's do this. As opposed mm-hmm. to summarizing Claire plot, Jamie plot, mm-hmm. let's do one and then the other. Mm-hmm. Would you rather start in the future or the past? Let's start with the future. No, 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 would no, you no. rather start in the past or the past past? <laughs> I, I would rather start in prison, like literal prison. And not like, I don't want to talk about Tobias Menes Menes dying until the very end. Okay, so we're going to start with Jamie. Mm-hmm. All right, take us away, Julie. All right, so if we're starting with Jamie, we're in 1755. I'm prison. Ardmuir. Whatever. This is a Literally, look at what I wrote. Oh, yeah. It says Ardmuir. That's actually really accurate. It's pretty good. Yeah. So there's a warden, Redcoat, walking around our man, Lord John Gray, who we all know because, spoilers, everybody told me what he looked like, but whatevs. So he's walking around explaining to him life behind bars and how he's going to be in charge now. And there's some kind of treasure. There's gold. A little unclear. 
The Frenchman's gold. Right. Maybe so maybe I, this guy is like walking around with a metal detector. It feels like he's been looking for it. And it's not so been hiding it. So this is a thing that I think could be slightly better developed in the show. It was very unclear. Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> that is literally the 12th time I have heard reference to that song in the last three days of my <laughs> life. So, um... There, do you remember when Mother Hildegard was helping mm-hmm. them decode the piece of music? Yes, Johannes Bach. It will never become anything. Right. <laughs> so what they discovered when they were decoding that is that there was someone who was offering to send gold from the French, presumably, to Charles. The, the to, Jacobite to, cause. Yeah, to Charles' supporters in Scotland. Um, Hold on, mark me. Mark, mark me! me. Um, so... There have been rumors since then that Louis somehow sent gold to Charles before Culloden, but it didn't reach Charles in time, so one of his supporters hid it. Okay. That's what he's saying when he's saying the Frenchman's gold. So yeah. the Frenchman being Louis. Okay. Um, Very unclear. Okay. So that is what they're interested in. What we end up getting, and we'll get there, is that no, that didn't happen. Doesn't exist. Um, it remains a plot point for the rest of the season, so we're not going to go into detail about okay. what it is or is not. The Frenchman's Gold is a thing that we'll return to. Shouldn't it always be? <laughs> just saying. Wistfully. I don't even know what that means. Wistfully, just saying. <clears throat> the Frenchman's Gold should always be a thing in my mind. So, uh, you, it should also be noted that while it seems like that's not what happened, um, the person that we believe wrote the letter that Mother Hildegard helped decode was His Grace, the Duke of Sandringham. Those coats? Those coats. Anyway. Well, he would have been pissed off in this episode because there's plenty of those. He would have just, he would have been so pissed off he would have lost his head. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. So. Nailed it. The old warden of Ardemarsmarsmar prison is showing Lord John Gray around, showing him the ropes. Here's the bag. There is gold in them, their hills. <laughs> Texas tea. And then he starts. And I'm to- leaving you a list of whiskey merchants. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, there's also a prisoner here. Everybody loves him. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's day off, anyone? Anyway, they call him McDoob. And I'm like, how many nicknames can Jamie literally have? So, mm, pushes up glasses. McDo apparently means the son of black-haired Brian. I don't. It's, this is that book is knowledge. Really specific. That's real deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, his father did have dark hair. Like I yes, remember and that. And the same so, so, so everybody knows. Basically, his dad. the son of black haired Brian. I don't, that's this is all book knowledge. So so when I first wrote it down, it was just McDo D O O question mark, and then later I had to turn on the subtitles because there was some intense Gaelic and intense whispering, and I had to turn on the subtitles. It's McDo D U B H. Yeah, but that's still it's pronounced McDo. Yeah, McDo. Anyway, he is McJamie. Doobie doo. Where, Where are you? you? You're hiding in, in some ruins. <laughs> McDoobie doobie doo. Where, Where are, are you? Whoa. You hid some jewels on an island. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So McDo, we know, is Jamie. 
the warden's like, um, be nice to mama and mom will be nice to you. Because when you're good to mama, when you're good to mama, mama's, mama's good, good to you. you. So Jamie has had this relationship with the warden where he is kind of like the prisoner's union leader. Chief. So yeah. the prisoners treat him as the chief of their unofficial clan. clan. And he hangs out with the warden and they have dinner and like they talk about issues and like everything. It's obviously not really going well because the prison is a shitty <laughs> But you also have to assume that the prison is better than others of its kind because the warden has Took enough a moment. sense Took a moment. to like give the prisoners a voice and to and um, this is something that's more heightened in the book. But um, when he says your society is going to be limited to your guards and one prisoner, what he means mm-hmm. is in addition to being. Uh, the spokesman for the prisoners. He's also highly educated and a great conversationalist. And he'll you're going to enjoy this, you, dude. Whatever. You're going to enjoy this, dude. Anyway, Patty. So Jamie is the only prisoner in this entire prison that's in chains. He has been in chains for three years. Because understandably, the guards are all terrified. Of well, him. I mean, he is called the Red Devil, McDew. <laughs> Dunbonnet. Like he's ever, please just. Red Jamie. Red Jamie. But, so just chain this guy up. So he's literally been in wrist and ankle shackles for three years. Fetters. Fetters. <laughs> Fetters. Um, then he gets introduced to this new guy, goes back down to his cell. Some prisoner's like, here's for the McDoo, and hands him a cup of water or whatever. And it's like, everybody loves Jamie. No shit. And then Jamie sits down next to a pillar and starts talking to the you know, pillar. Before we get to talking to the pillar, <laughs> I think the most realistic thing on this show might be that everyone loves Jamie. Because if that person existed in real life, but could he? Wouldn't you love him? But could that person literally exist in real life? Doesn't everybody love your husband? Yeah, but he's. Uh, yes. Oh, shit, really, you are Jamie. Yeah, everybody does love my husband. I want to be clear. Neil does not speak many languages. He's not a weak seaman. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. This is 40. I... uh, I'm just going to go ahead and guess that Neil probably would not look hot while covered in blood. He would. I don't know. I think your I've husband seen is a good... I'm sorry. You've seen your husband covered in blood? Period sex. Period sex. Period, period sex. I'm just saying. Put down a towel and have some period... Okay. We have been married for a long if time, If anybody guys. out there that's listening to the show has not yet started watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend... Please do. Um, Immediate That is a song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, <laughs> and you're not allowed to listen to the show anymore if you don't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's on Netflix. So, yes. hold on. What about, what about talking to the pillar? So okay. Sits no, in, but, because I have something to say about talking to the pillar. Okay, but still, what I'm saying is it does not seem weird to me, either in the show or in the book, that these prisoners would decide, well, we oh, need no, a chief, no, no, Jamie's no. our chief. He's By obviously the, way, the chief. Here's your tea, here's your water, here's your food, whatever. It's really interesting because he is obviously the alpha male and he can't help it because... He was born seven feet tall, redheaded, and incredibly handsome. And, and also with kind, leadership qualities. Smart. Yes. But also sometimes you know he doesn't. He wishes it wasn't that way. There's this thing. Here's my first. There's a thing in the book, which I'm not going to consider a spoiler because we're not going to see it because Jamie has already left Ardsmere. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just mesmer. But there's <laughs> you see a brief glimpse of it in the episode when he's describing a dinner he has. Mm-hmm. But Jamie is like chief storyteller. Yeah. And he sets up this system where the prisoners of Ardsmuir, if you're telling a story, you get to sit with your back to the fire and be warm. And people will bring you drinks and give you food and whatever. And Jamie does it, and he never accepts anything. He just mm-hmm. tells the stories. And he reads books out loud is another thing, like as a privilege of being whatever, chief prisoner. He gets books that he'll read out loud or recount the stories of novels out loud mm-hmm. to the prisoners. Um, and it's really lovely. And you see they create this system where the person who is entertaining everyone gets to be the one who's the most comfortable. So they'll be warm and they'll be fed and then they give and up they their space. And they can go all night. Well, no, but they'll <laughs> give up their space to somebody else mm-hmm. and then be less warm and less fed but entertained. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that creates this system. And it's um, when you look at the what, the culture that he sort of creates within within this prison it's something that only an extraordinary person can do but it doesn't feel fictional it feels like somebody that you'd want to fucking elect to office right. if you if it's they like were in Leslie a nope. society yes ah. he's a total Leslie he's the Leslie Nope of Ardsmere prison mm-hmm. absolutely you guys I just started watching Painter I'm sorry Parks and Rec that's what Neil and I call Parks and Rec is <laughs> Painter but um Anyway, okay. So Jamie starts talking to a pillar. He starts talking to a pillar, and, you're and then like, my heart filled with joy. And then you hear a voice, and you're like, "I recognize that voice." And then all of a sudden, boom! There's Murtaugh in the most Bill Nighy entrance of all time. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Voice first. Voice first, and then there's like a weird back of the head and a turnaround, so that people are either surprised or they're filled with delight or like, wee! It happened in, um, what's the book about the guy that goes to space? Fucking Douglas Adams. Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Bill Nye played the architect. Yes. And so as an American, I didn't know who the fuck Bill Nye was, but he had this big thing where he's from behind and then he turns around. And you know in Britain, everybody was like, Bill Nye! There's so an episode I of Doctor Who that has a similar thing where he plays a museum tour guide. And it's like this. It's wonderful. It's By the way, it's one of the few Doctor Who episodes I would recommend as a standalone. It's called Vincent and the Doctor. It's oh, my God. Five. Oh, my God. Have you seen it? Yes. Vincent Van Gogh. And then he realizes that everybody loves this work. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, Bill Nye is in that episode. He's oh, the person. God, God. He's in the beginning and the end. He's the person giving tours at the museum. Yes. So... Murtaugh gets a Bill Nighy reveal, which is incredible. And he deserved it. He did. He really did. And the thing I loved most about it is that I think the the treatment that not Murtaugh, that Duncan LaCroix. LaCroix? Pamplemousse. Pamplemousse. The Pamplemousse gets in this episode is uh, indicative of the way that the writers and producers and directors view him and what they assume his the what they assume of the way he is viewed by the people who watch the show which is which everybody is loves him. accurate mm-hmm. and this guy still I checked today still has six credits on IMDB still and the fact that they are willing to recognize that he 
is this good, despite the fact that he's not a name, that they didn't include him in the, did you, I don't know if you saw this. I, I just gestured to Janine, like she watched. I, I <laughs> um, see everything. I am also. Julie, <laughs> he was not listed in the opening credits. Yeah, more beer. Oh no, he got the first final credit. He got, though. it's the only time they've ever done it. It was hot. It was and Duncan LaCroix oh, as Martin. Wow. Yeah, he wasn't the in the opening episode. credits. Damn. It's, I, it's wonderful because what it means is they recognize the value they have in this performer and his interpretation of this character. Yeah. And uh, I think it bodes very well for what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a ton to do in this episode, but it doesn't matter. Be sick and get bit by rats. First of all, that's a great stage cough. It's like this. He's really good. It's, it's like not even that. It's mi- more minor than it's that. It's deep, deep in the chest. It's like you can't control it. It's re- it's very consumptive, and he's about to die. That's how. And it he's goes. still funny. And they put some gray in his beard. And I'm sorry, that is hot as shit. <laughs> I just wanted to climb on his rat bit ass. I'm going to remember that later because Frank aged a little too well. As someone, anyway, As Patty. someone with a lot of gray in his beard, cool. <laughs> you know what? Frank should age well because Frank so, is Frank a stone is cold fox. Stone cold fox. Well, we're, we're going to get there. So Murta <laughs> is behind the pillar that Jamie's talking to and you realize, oh, thank God, Murtaugh's here. He's but, in prison, and but he is almost Ill. He is very ill. But he's still Jamie's capo, for lack of a better term. He is his consigliere. Well, and, and more than that, I think it's, it's an, and this is different from the books, it's an odd blend of his consigliere and, like, his dad. Dad. It's right? very fatherly. It's, um, he treats him with deference and affection, so it's almost as though Jamie treats Murta as a father figure and Murta treats Jamie as his chief, mm-hmm. right? Like it's definitely a two-way street, but both of them view the other as being the more important person mm-hmm. in their relationship. For sure. And I find it very moving. And uh, I want to acknowledge that after we predicted that Murta would be alive last week, I found an interview where Ron Moore just straight up acknowledged that they let Murtaugh live before the episode aired. And um, I sort of wish I hadn't known, but I'm still fine with it. And Mm. mostly I'm just really excited about the fact that this show has found a way to keep employing a really great actor with a a bizarrely underfed resume. Mm -hmm. And if any of you out there are thinking, I really want to get into the casting business, when you make it big, please just... Fucking cast this guy in things. Yeah. Because he's so good, and I'm a little bit afraid that because this isn't an incredibly highly watched show, that he's just going to fly under the radar and disappear. So, um... There's a reason why our Facebook page says, I heart Pample Moose, because he's... He's so best. good. Isn't that the subtitle of our show? Yeah, I heard Pamela Moose. Basically, it's going to be for those of you um, on Patreon at the twenty dollars level. That's going to be our first T-shirt. Is I heard Pamela Moose. Nice. So Murtaugh's there. We see him. Um, Jamie says something about this new fucking general that's coming in, Lord John Gray. But I can't recognize him. There's something familiar about him. I don't know. They all look the same. And Murtaugh's like. That's what they say about us. Or Jamie says, that's what they say about us, too. And he's like, well, it wouldn't be that way if we could still wear our tartans, which is a clear reference to the fact that they can't wear tartans anymore. And then Murtaugh pulls out a tiny, shattered, like, 
threadbare piece of the Mackenzie tartan, right? Oh. And it's just rubbing it with his fingers. And fucking Jamie is like, fucking put that shit away, All dude. right, so here's the thing. When I talk about, there's no way for us to talk about this particular moment without talking about Lord John Gray in general. So, Julie, could you do me a favor and mm-hmm. summarize for me what you think happens between Lord John Gray and Jamie in this episode? Lord John Gray realizes that Jamie is in his prison. He knows who he is. At first, Jamie does not know who Lord John Gray is, but then figures it out. Uh, they try to leverage each other's position against each other. Lord John Gray wants to mm, find the gold. And uh, there's the crazy Highlander that's in between there. So he needs Jamie's an interpreter. And Duncan ja- Kerr. Thank you, Duncan Kerr. And then Jamie realizes that later that this is the same kid that tried to kill him when he was taking a piss, who his life, like, rested upon. And then it's like the whole manly honor thing about my life, whatever. But then they weirdly settle that debt and kind of come to an understanding. And then they're playing chess. And then there's a moment where maybe Lord John Gray goes a little too far. And Lord John Gray is, he has... He's he's gay, and it's hard for him, and it's been a problem for his family. And there's been a whole bunch of things about him trying to, like, put it away, put it away, put it away. His his lover died at Culloden, and he didn't get to say goodbye. Mm. And then Jamie admits that Claire is gone, and he'll never get to see her again. And there's So they both share great loss. And they are both very smart men. And also, Lord John Gray kicked his ass at chess, which we have never seen. So real quick, before we get to the next phase, when they're playing chess, Mm -hmm. how would you define their relationship? Prisoner and warden. Prisoner and warden. Mm Mm-hmm. When they're playing chess, prisoner and warden. Except when Lord John Gray gets the shit on him. Can we come up with a nickname for Lord John Gray, by the way? Because that's too many syllables for me. LJ? I was like LBJ, but how do we how do L- we do that? LJG? LJG? No, that's not good. G-Job? The Gray Fox? Uh, no, too close to Dick Fox. Um, yes, but Dick Fox won't be coming back. Rich Man Face? <laughs> no. What's this guy's name again? Uh, Lord John Gray. His, his, the actor's name is David Barry. Here's the thing. What I need to tell you is that this character is important for literally the rest of the series. Great. And I so can we see need, that. We need a nickname that we can repeat easily. You're right. What? Doctor Who. No. <laughs> that, was, that was totally a joke. Um, Lord Blue Eyes. Hmm. Lord Grey Eyes. Lord, whatever. We're spending too much time on this. However. It'll, it'll come. It, it will. It, what about, we, we're just going to let this what happen. What about the profile? He he does have a profile. He looks like a rich man. We could call him Coin Face. Coin Face. <laughs> what the fuck? He does look like a coin. It's like he's like Washington <laughs> Jefferson Delano Roosevelt. He is Coin Face. He's not on IMDb. Am he's I, the profile. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. You're probably spelling the wrong kind of Barry. B-A-R-R-Y. Oh, well, I'm looking on the cast. Is this not there? Lord John Gray. I don't see it. Anyway, Patty. So, in my Mm. estimation as a non-book reader, it feels like Warden, Prisoner, until they have the moment over the chess set, 
because it's the first time that we've ever seen Jamie get beaten at chess, first of all. Secondly, they share the moment of supreme loss. So then what are they in that moment before the next thing? Two people, two humans on Earth. Okay. And and then a thing happens. Before we get there, the way that as a book reader that I viewed it was first adversarial because... Mm-hmm. Lord John is understandably very wary of this person who so skillfully emotionally manipulated him as a child and then broke his arm and then tied him to a tree. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> then he finds a use for him mm-hmm. uh, and has to sort of wrangle. First of all, also, it's worth noting the scene where Jamie holds the sword to his throat and then gives John the opportunity oh, no, to kill no, him. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to get there because I have a, several things to say about that. But that is before when they're playing chess. That is true. So oh that scene God. is an invention of the book. In the Invention book, of the show. Yes, invention okay. of the show. In the book, um, they're looking for Jamie. He escapes. They're looking for him. Can we talk about the escape for 30 seconds? It's. I think it's... Brilliant. It's hilarious. It's, so it's like, please let us trap rabbits when we go out to hunt Pete. Which they really want to do because they're great, fucking that's eating fine. rats. But fine. So, like, the guys run out to check their traps. All the traps are on the west side. And then they're sending all the redcoats to the west. And then the seven-foot redhead runs away to the east and nobody sees him. Well, no. The seven-foot redhead runs away to the east and... Two minions follow. And, and he then he jumps in a dumps, hole. Jumps into a ditch. And then they already have like tumbleweed to put over him. They're like <laughs> bushes. They, they have been practicing this in the cell for like months. But also, how does the seven foot redhead run away to the east without somebody so seeing his ass? glasses in the book, Jamie murders the guard. Oh, shit. Um, who is also... A fucking sociopath. Okay, fine. And then runs away. Um, but honestly, I didn't have a problem with this. It was very tight. It was like boosh. Because there's that moment of exposition in the former warden's monologue where he says, well, you don't have to worry about any of them because they all got the spirit beat out of them the quad and there's docile as rabbits or whatever he says, mm-hmm. right? So they're used to the... Highlander's not showing any fucking spirit at all. And then one day Jamie walked and he was like, hey, put down that rat you're eating. I've got a favor to ask. And he was like, we're going to go out tomorrow. You guys are going to go get your rabbits, which we're already doing. And when you do that, make sure to be real loud about it. Maybe look like you're going to start a fight. I'm going to run. And then you two are going to put a bush over me. Everybody cool? Everybody cool? They're like, because yeah, McDoob. Can cool. we, McDoob, can we just, can we just do this in the cell a couple of times just to make sure? Yeah. Here, use this um, shirt. And, and then it's like, like a bush. Thriller, thriller night. And that's how it felt in the cell. Just for a minute. Guys, I've fallen down a wormhole of the fan fiction between Lord John Gray and Jamie Frazier. Back up. (laughs) So I know that exists. This is a very important relationship. And this is the moment I want to get into. So first let's, let's deal with sword throat moment. So I had a little bit of a problem with it. Yes. Okay. It was Jamie being like, Oh, but there was one thing you forgot. Remind, I'm going to remind you. You said you would kill me. Please kill me. And then Jamie kneels down, offers up his throat, and then Lord John Gray does this weird 
thing. It's, <sighs> he obviously doesn't want to hurt him. It's not like a Blackjack Randall situation, but it is very sexual where he like draws the sword underneath his chin and it's, it's, oh, I just, I was like, oh, okay. All right. I didn't have that read on it at all. I did. It felt, it felt a little bit like, is that jawline real? <laughs> well, that might be your perspective. That, I, it's I've also never, my perspective. Yeah. I've never read the book, so because, I don't know. you know, is that jawline real? I don't know. Is that fake? I don't know. It's just really good. And also, I think Lord John Gray feels that it's really good. And it's like, is it really He good? does feel that it's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you feel it, but it's not, it's not like. Upset. It's not like gross. It's not like no blackjack, right? It's it, not like that. There is, it is like there is a fetishization of Jamie happening there that we have been treated to over and over and over and again. And this is different because I don't feel that way, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's because I've read the books. So when you look at the way that Lord John feels about Jamie, do you interpret that as being sexual, emotional, or both? Both. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to go like two hours. <laughs> it can't. It's 5.55. I know. It can't go it's, two hours. We got to speed it up. So, um, so Lord John, um, I alluded to this already, but this section of the book is lengthy. Mm-hmm. You are to, and, and also Lord John gets first I did feel that it was chapters. a little bit. I did feel that it was a little bit condensed because so, it felt like it went from nothing to something really fast. So in the first book, it's all clear first person. Mm-hmm. Um, in later books, they start to add other first person chapters. One of the people who gets chapters is Lord John. That mm-hmm. will stay true for the rest of the books. He's a very mm-hmm. important character. He goes away for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not spoiling anything for you because he's going to, after this, he's going to disappear for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may show up a couple other episodes of the season, but mostly he's gone for a bit. Um, That's a shame. No, it really isn't. because It's his, a shame for acting. <laughs> he's probably, it isn't, Julie, because he is probably the third most important character in the series. Ooh. So he comes back Sincerely. Oh, when, he doesn't have a moment wasted. Not ever. Okay, good. Very important character. I feel He's good. got his own spin-off series. There are Lord John novels that Diana Gabaldon wrote. So he came back real hard. Real hard. He always comes hard. Mm. Hey. Um, also, that dude is a stone cold fox. He is incredibly beautiful. I won't, I won't even say that he is like, to me... Stone Cold Fox. I will say he is like Grecian marble. He's not my type. No. But he's a Stone Cold Fox. No, he's beautiful, though. It's not... This is a guy that, like, would have been in running for, like, Superman, depending on... Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you were trying to make a nice stained glass window, and you were like, I forgot my knife. (laughs) Can somebody help me cut this glass? He could be like, well, I've got these cheekbones. I got these. And then go... Or I got this. With his cheekbones. Yeah. Something also tells me that if you know you your washing machine broke and you're like, hey, I really gotta wash my clothes, be like, that's fine. He'd take his shirt off and do it down here. Do it right here. But (laughs) the reason he is good has nothing to do with the fact that he's so handsome. He does a really fucking great job. He's so honest and so weirdly open, like minimal. Very minimal. 
it's it's incredible because I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to say this right now. Okay. I think that he was better than Tobias Menzies in this episode. Oh. Well, okay, so we're gonna go. We're gonna table this for the <laughs> TGP. Tobias Menzies was incredible, we're and gonna, I, I am never gonna say shit about Tobias. But this we're guy table had this a for moment. The, we're gonna kidding. table it for the TGP section. Okay. Okay. So. Um, so the way that I view the relationship as a book reader is that they are adversaries, and then they are uncomfortable diplomats, allies, like diplomats, diplomats, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're friends. But then, and then there's someone who is in love, and someone who is a victim of rape, right? Because, because when he reached out and touched his hand, when Lord Jan- John Gray reached out and touched Jamie's hand. By the way, I was watching this episode with Jen Moniz today. Oh, cool. Yay. When it happened, Hi, we, Jen. we both went, oh! And then Jamie's like, take your hand off me or I'll kill you. And that's what I think it's a great moment. And I think of all the PTSD. big moments oh, in yeah. this episode, it's the one Hewen that's had- the best handled. Sam Hewen had a great, like, three moments there. Because yes. when he realized, when he actually said Claire's name, I think for the first time. Yes. Absolutely for the and first time. he just had this, like, real softening and real, it was, he I had, think, one of Sam's best moments. He had three great moments in that scene. And the first one was... <gasps> You can't even bastard. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is when I think his friend moment. Mm-hmm. Then he had saying Claire's name. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sam's best moment in the entire series. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh. It's such a close up and it's so it's like his entire you see face all changes. The shit fly across his face. It's it's really good. It's like he's learned some things. You know what? And that I'm reading this book right now, which I highly recommend to anybody listening who loves TV. It's called TV the Book. It's by two of my very favorite television critics, Matt Zoller Seitz and Alan Seppenwall, who are amazing and they used to work at the New Jersey Herald together and cover the Sopranos, and that's how they know each other. Anyway, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. They're ranking the best television best American television shows um, as that were complete as of the time that they wrote the book. So like 2015. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Patty. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that that has made it into our lexicon. Of course it has. So, um, the, what the fuck were we talking about? The, your uh, New Jersey um, mm, critics. TV. Yes, but Sam, Sam Hewen's moment. Oh, best moments. Yeah. So, one of the things that they address in a couple of different essays when they're talking about the best TV shows is that there are some people who start on these shows who are fine, and then they get better because they work more and because they're surrounded by great performers, and they can go from fine to excellent. And one of the examples they gave in an essay I read today is Ray Romano, who now, if you've seen The Big Sick, which is an excellent movie, Ray Romano is so good in The Big Sick, and you compare it to the first season of Everybody Loves Raymond, where he's just... (laughs) Just Ray. He's just... just just a person who memorized lines mm-hmm. who happens to be a comedian. Surrounded by the most incredible comedians. Yes, great, a great supporting cast. Right. And and he got to learn from them for like yes. how many years? And right? I never thought that Sam Huon was a bad actor. Never. No. He was always good. 
but I have never thought of him as be with the possible exception of the very end of season one, where obviously he and Tobias put in a lot of really hard work on a very right. difficult hour of television. Right. Two hours, really. Um, other than that, I've always thought he was good, but not great. And this season, there have now been two different episodes where I thought he was legitimately excellent, like Emmy-worthy, excellent. Um, Specifically for me, it was this moment. Well, but you also felt that way about him laying on the ground and saying goodbye to all of his friends in the premiere. Right. Right? So it's twice for me. But that, that, one, that one was a little bit... More dependent upon cinematography and makeup sure. and like Absolutely. him just laying still and just like letting it be still. This, there was an actual softness, like his yes. face softened. That The clear moment is no question the best it's incre- it's It's really yes. good. And any actor who needs to understand how to do that should just watch this. And there's another moment of his that I think is similarly excellent, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so oh I view God. it as... This episode is going to be three hours long. I view it as their um, adversaries, and then their uncomfortable allies, and then their friends, and then this happens, and it is a person um, who is in love touching the hand of a person who was raped by a man in a position of power. Mm -hmm. And that's really complicated. And I think it's the best moment of the episode. And to me would have resonated harder if they had given Lord John more time to fall in love with this person. Yes. It and felt, it felt a little rushed. Yes. It did. And they had given Jamie more time to decide that this person was his friend. Worth because his it time. Would, yes. Because it would have meant more if it had been someone who he obviously trusted. And there are certainly moments where that is obvious, right? Where there is some care involved. But um, it's one of the couple moments in the show that I think would have been better if they had given it a little more breathing room. Um, but it's still an incredible, when he says Claire in particular, it's an incredible moment. So let's power through the rest of this Jamie story. So Jamie um, makes a deal with Lord John Gray where he is going to translate the words of the mad Highlander, Kerr, who they found, the Redcoats found, yeah. wandering around on the uh, moors, uh, talking about... The gold. The gold is cursed. Blah, blah, blah. But he's speaking in like a mishmash of English, French, and Gaelic, and nobody can understand him. And Lord John Gray is like, all right, Jamie, you're a cunning linguist. I was just going to say that. Get in here. We know you know Gaelic. We know you know French. Just fucking get in here. And And he's like, "Uh, well, no, I'm not a translator. I'm a prisoner. You want me to do this? You then. I need blankets for Murtaugh. Well, first Lord John is like, do it and I'll take your fucking fetters off after three years. Oh, that right. He's yeah. like, well, okay. sounds good, okay, but <laughs> I need blankets and medicine for all the prisoners. And he's like, I, I can't, I don't I, have enough money for I that. I literally can't I do can't that. do that. And he's That's like, okay, for Murta. And he's like, all right, cool. for one person, which doesn't cool. happen in the book because Murta's not in the book. Right. In this phase. Cause he's dead. <sighs> Murta lives. You know what? Murta lives. Murta lives. Cheers. Murta lives. Cheers. Mark Cheers. me. Mark me. J. Sweet Pample Moose. Anyway, Patty. Oh, so, Jamie goes to talk to the mad cur, <laughs> and he is raving near death. And he does a whole thing about 
the gold, the gold, the gold is cursed. And he's moving back and forth between Gaelic and French, which, by the way, was very difficult for me and Jen with the closed captioning on stars because we had to keep, like, turning it on so and off. He's, for, he's talking about Dougal and Colm. All the Mackenzies are dead. Ellen, she's dead. Dougal, he's dead. And he's and just then like. he kept talking about a she that was undefined. That's <gasps> intentional. But then it's like the white witch. Oh, Le Dame Blanche, but I bitches! You, he was not talking about Claire. He was talking about someone else. <gasps> All right, oh. was it Gaylis? Whatevs, bitches! Whatevs, bitches! He just says that, and then he says she'll come back for you, and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jamie's like all covered in dirt and gross, and his hair looks black, not red anymore. But he's still hot. And he goes to fucking Lord John Gray, and he's like, here's what he said. And Lord John Gray's like, I don't believe you. And You're Jamie's keeping like, something from me. And Jamie basically goes, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, bitch. <laughs> Gave you most of it. Yeah. And then after that is the chess match, right? Mm-mm. Escape. He escapes. Ah, right. Bushhead. So he's like, listen, we need to take the Scottishmen out into the moors and let them trap rabbits and grouse so that they can eat. Which is true. Can we just do this? And you, reasonable. Yeah. You can have all the red coats guarding them. Just let them set these traps in the moors. And Lord John is like, with weapons? And he's like, dude, no. With, like, yarn. It's fine. Everything's We're cool. fine. We're cool, man. And then they go do it. And, of course, Jamie escapes. And then they chase him, and then there's this idyllic setting with an incredible Scottish castle on a tiny island out in a bay. Just, <gasps> just a castle by itself. And Lord John Gray is like, find him, find him, to all the redcoats. And the redcoats are like, oh, it's been three days. He's dead. If he's not here on the ground, he's already dead. He couldn't have made it there. Well, it's... But is he that good of a swimmer? Again... Well, yes, he's a very strong swimmer. He's just—he's a strong swimmer, but a weak seaman. Mm-hmm. But uh, the books make it clear that there's like a weird current that takes him to the island. Also, the castle they're in is not on that island. That is like a rock mm-hmm. formation on the island. Mm-hmm. The castle's on the mainland, which is weird. So that's completely different. So w- no, I'm saying in the show the castle's on the mainland. No, the castle is on it's an not. island. Uh, That's a rock formation. I promise you, because in the books he's in the woods. I'm gonna show Lord John this never. Gonna, no, Lord John never goes to that island. Not ever. They stay on the mainland the whole time. No, great. That's fine. Maybe Jamie is hiding out on the mainland, but they're looking at a castle on an island. If it's a castle, it's the wreck of a castle. I yes, think it's a yes. rock formation. Yes, yes. No, it is literally a castle okay. on an island. Regardless, that they because never Jen go and there. I, Jen and I were both like, "What? Why don't we get to hang out there?" They like, well, they n- never. They don't go, go there. there. They don't go there. They're just looking at okay. it. Anyway, so uh, Lord John ends up taking a pee in. Uh, in the wreck of a castle. Guess what? Jamie's there to remind him how delicate it is to take a pee. <laughs> come see, come sa. And he, come Jamie's see, like, boop. Remember this, bitch? Remember how hard this was? And then this is where the sword thing happens. He's like, you promised to kill me. Kill me, bitch. Invention of the book. Right. And then he doesn't kill him. In the book, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Lord John is taking a pee in the woods. The area where he's peeing, he accidentally realizes that Jamie is also taking a pee like right next to him. And Jamie is like, Ooh, whoops, you caught me. Time to go back. <laughs> and then they go back. And that's what happens. 
Uh, that's and hilarious. Then, that's and then there's saved. yeah, and then there's like a <laughs> lengthy <laughs> detente where they're trying to figure out what he was doing, and finally they have the conversation after Lord John threatens Jenny and Ian, which doesn't happen in the show, Mm-mm. where Jamie's like, "Listen, don't fuck with my family. They don't have any money. They don't give a shit about me. Obviously, a lie." Here's what actually happened. Blah, 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 blah. I have this one jewel, which he has been saving because he swallowed it and then pooped it out. <laughs> no! I thought show. about that about my wedding ring today. You poop out your wedding ring? No. Because whenever what? I wash my hands in a public bathroom, I put it in my mouth like this. And I'm like, what if somebody surprised me? And I went, <gasps> and then I swallowed it. And then I had to poop it out and like fish it out of my turd. I'm just saying. Well, Jamie, in, in the book, what happens is that he's like, no, I, I thought of this. I have proof for you. Here's the one jewel that I found. And Lord John is like, how did you smuggle this into the castle? We searched you. And he was out like, my butt. Oh, I, why don't forget the illusion, but he's like, oh, well, I hit it the only place that you wouldn't be able to look. In my digestive system. And then he's like, well, how did you get it out? And he's in like, my pooper. In, di- in a disgusting means. And then he, after the jewel is sitting in Lord John's hand, he's like, hey, you sent in my poop. It's like a real, it's really, it really happens. Uh, they did not do that in the show. So... That was the, the sound sapphire of came out of nowhere. I mean, literally, Jamie's pooper. It was a clean. But that's person. yeah. That is not clearly shown in the show. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden this jewel shows up. Where did it come from? I don't know. Crazy Willie Nelson told me about it. No, it came Great. from his. It came from his sporran. Oh. Oh, he saved it anyway. Patty. So they then they play chess. And John does a thing and tries to like, touch his hand. Oh, you can't be bastard. How'd you do that? Nobody oh, beats me at chess because I'm good at everything. Except sailing. He's a weak seaman. He's a weak seaman. He's also really bad at not looking hot while covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I prefer Jamie with, we'll call jailhouse stubble, to Jamie with fake wild man beard. With, with Dunbonnet? No. Jail? Yes. I don't know if it's fake or real. But my favorite beard on the show to date is the Myrta deer tail beard. You like with the gray? Oh, just, <laughs> just a little silver fox for you guys. It's so they had the chess game. Wait, they- it's really good. Okay. They unburden their souls to each other. Both of them have had people that they have lost that were very important to them. Clear. And I'm, it's the first time that Jamie has said Claire's name, which is very important. But I need to really bring the scene back to the real, which is David Barry destroying it. He was so good. He is so good. You can see like confusion and respect He's and so admiration sad. and fear and love and loneliness. Everything on his patrician fucking money face. Oh, by the way, we decided we're calling him Coinface. 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 Because he's got a really good profile. He you does. Guys. So Coinface is a, is a, it's a nickname of deep respect. It is. Because you're going to be on a coin forever that is minted forever. So Coinface Good job. It means I'm just going to get to make Hamilton jokes from now until the end of time about Lord John Gray. Just wait. So John Gray reaches out and touches Jamie's hand. Not welcome. No, but, and this is a difference from the book. He reaches out and touches Jamie's hand, and that is actually not a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're sharing a moment. And then he moves his thumb, 
And that's a problem. It's like the language of the There's fan. connection, yes. and, and then, then there's come on. Under the bathroom stall thing. Like, like it's, uh, well, I think, I mean, I think that, that, and this again is book reader perspective, but to me, um, from a person who's read the books, Jamie is the love of Lord John Gray's life. Yes. Whoa. He loves him. What? He loves him. Hey, how can you not? And that, did it start when he was 16? Did it start? No, with, it starts in the prison. It's obviously complicated. Mm-hmm. And this has nothing to do with later books. I mean, it, I personally feel like it is confirmed by later books. But the way it's written in this book, he, maybe not, maybe the love of his life is overstating it because he loves this man that he joined the military for so much. But he loves him very deeply. Mm-hmm. They share this connection, and he's open with him in a way. I mean, like he basically fucking comes out to this guy. Yeah, and and he literally said it to him without actually saying it was a man. Like it was a ro- romantic relationship. But, but, but he's he, but he literally said it, and, and Jamie is smart enough to understand. And basically, um, and sorry. I'm spoiling things for you, but there's just no way to not. This is a character of incredible importance who will show up for the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's the most consistent about this very complex, uh, well-written character is that he uh, loves Jamie both romantically and platonically in a mm-hmm. very deep way. They share mm-hmm. something that he has never been able to share with anyone mm-hmm. um, at all. And he loves his brother too. Hal also will come back. His mm-hmm. Lord Melton will also mm-hmm. come back. Good, because that guy was is really good. Washington, Washington. Six foot four weighs a fucking ton. Oh my God, I want to watch coming. that right He's now. Coming. He's, He's coming. coming. We can't. We're just short in time. Like, oh. <laughs> Anyway, so so they have this moment where Lord John, coming on to him is cheapening it, where Lord John makes clear his affection for this person Mm -hmm. in a relationship that's very complicated. And it's deeply fucked up that he would try to... Also, it's a prisoner warden situation, which is why I'm saying it's deeply fucked up. It's right, Which is why, and this is... And that's also why Jamie is like... Quit fucking touching me. Well, the biggest reason he says quit fucking touching me is because he was fucking raped yeah. by mm-hmm. a British soldier, mm-hmm. right? So the um, when he's taking him to... Okay, ugh. so summary. Then all of the... They shut down Ardmere Prison, and they're sending all Ardmere. of the prisoners... I suppose it's prison. They're sending all of the prisoners to the colonies. Which means that Murtaugh goes to the States, baby. America! <gasps> Fuck, Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> Coming again to send motherfucking world, yeah! <laughs> um, but they're going to be indentured servants, which sucks... But literally, that's like for seven years, and then you get to do whatever the fuck you want to do because of America. Thirteen years. It's thirteen oh years. Oh my god, that's the worst. And they may or may not survive. I have to, at this point, acknowledge that we don't have the shiniest history when it comes to slavery. No, it's the shittiest. So being a slave, it, actually, it's the shittiest history when right? it comes to slavery. So being a slave in the United States <laughs> means you've got a pretty decent risk of fucking dying. Mm-hmm. So it's not great, and there is a chance. I think it's very unlikely because why would they do this to this? 
character and this actor if they weren't intending him to live. But there is a chance that Bert is going to go to the U.S. and fucking die. Mm-hmm. That's like a real, actual possibility. Oh no, he's going to live. He is because why would he's going to have? He's going to be some weirdest. He's going to make it onto the frontier. Tobacco that, farmer. That, uh, something. That weird like water. fur trapping show. He'll be on the frontier <laughs> with Aquaman. So, so they send all the prisoners to do that, except they have Jamie. This, it's really terrible. Um, Jamie like, gets dragged behind Lord John Gray's horse, and they don't even buy a rope. say anything. So they're shutting oh, down the shit. prison it's while weird. Jamie is getting dragged away. Not dragged like on. I mean, he's no, walking. he's walking, but it's him by himself. Like oh. there's no other prisoners with him. It's just him. And what Lord John says is. You're not just a prisoner. You're a high-level traitor. I can't send you to the U.S. And that's probably sort of true, but also but probably also, like, this person I he cares about. He don't was sparing want from you to do that. Indentured <laughs> servitude, right? Like he was trying to keep him from a horrific sea voyage and then being a slave in an unfamiliar place. So instead, he put him in a space where he could occasionally send word to his family, and where when he was done, he could go home. Um, so he basically becomes an indentured servant in a Scottish manor. No, English manor. English manor, sorry. Obviously, yes, after the Battle of Culloden. English manor, it's called Hellsmart? Hellwater. Hellwater. And it's very clear what's about to happen to him. Oh, no. It's an... It's, it's not like It's that. not clear. No, he's going to become a gigolo. It's, he's, no, that's not... It's more, the, actually, the situation is a lot more nuanced than that. Please watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay. Um, there's a, a young daughter. He's a stud. And he, she's going to fuck him a lot. He's a stud. Just, uh, it's, actually, the situation is a lot more nuanced than that. Okay. <laughs> um, what he actually does is he has to hide the fact that he, he is who he is, and then he gets to work with horses right. on this manor. Until his debt is paid, and then he can go home. And that's the situation that he's in. So what Lord John has done is give him a real fucking favor. Because mm-hmm. he didn't send him to an unfamiliar country. He kept him on the same continent. For it's uh, Jamie thinks, and this is something that, this is another book difference. Um, so in the books, Jamie, it takes Jamie a long time to figure out that what John, what John does is a kindness. Mm-hmm. Jamie thinks he's keeping him nearby as a piece of fucking potential tail for literally years until he starts to piece together, which is dumb because he's so brilliant. Yeah. Why is he so, because um, it's, he, they paint him as so brilliant. It takes so long to figure this out, which I guess is PTSD. Anyway, it takes him a long time to figure out that what John is doing is being kind and not being manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lord John is perhaps the most, um, morally pure character in the entire series. Like all he I wants. can't wait to see more of him. Oh, he's going to be around a long time. I can't wait. Um, he's so good. That actor is very good. And they chose the perfect person. Yeah, they chose him. I am noticing that his eyes are also very close together. They are they are very close together, but he is also very patrician as opposed to Black Jack who looks a little bit more like roughhousey. 
Lord John Gray is a little bit more like rich. It's boy. great casting and great acting. Yeah, yeah. and anyway, his acting is incredible. I, have I, I can't say that his acting is better than Tobias, although I will say in this episode, I, have, I did like him better than. I Tobias. have been staring at his photo this entire time, just so we so, all know. Okay, let's real quick because let's I want to blow through Tobias because it's too sad. So the Claire half of the story is basically Claire graduates. Brianna graduates. Mm-hmm. Frank dies. Those we are, go. We go through like thirty years or twenty years. Not quite twenty. Fifteen. Because she's a little. She's like six or seven. Oh right, but no, it's the same night, so it's ten years. It's only ten years because she uh, she has her diploma night when the um, mistress shows up, and then ten years no, later, there are three. They have English breakfast, and then Claire graduates. And then Brianna graduates. Those are the three points that we touch on. Right. So Claire says, let's go to a movie. And he says, I've already seen I've already them both. I've seen those. With and my side bish. <sighs> With my officially licensed side bish, there's mm-hmm. a lot of... Mm, I keep seeing this shit on... I have some questions Outlander here. Twitter. Uh, real quick. I keep seeing this shit on Outlander Twitter where it's like... Frank, shut up. She's not your daughter. And as a person who has a fucking shitty biological father who I want nothing to do with and who has a couple of people in my life, none of them who were ever married to my mother, none of them who I ever shared a home with, but a couple of male figures in my life who I consider low-key surrogate fathers, one who I consider like an actual surrogate father from most of my high school who also would consider himself to be that, mm-hmm. um, a, te- a teacher, my high school theater teacher, mm-hmm. who was hugely influential in my life. Um, just don't ever say that somebody is not someone's daughter because they're not biologically related. That's just shitty. I'm not adopted, and I find that shitty, and there are a lot of people who have fathers they love very dearly they're not biologically related to, so just stop saying that shit. Because Frank, if there's one thing that's really true about Frank, it's that he loves that little girl in a very deep, pure way. Um, and that I think is reinforced by this episode. Anyway, very minor tangent that has n- really even nothing to do with Tobias Menzies, who I'm not, whose name I will not mispronounce for the rest of this episode. Neither will I. He deserves our respect. Um, I think that if so he, if gets two, he gets two, he uh, gets Virginia Woolf scenes in this show. He does. He gets two. And, Two different great pairs of specs. Oh, yeah. Well, no. Jen, Jen Moniz, was watching it with me today, and she's like, that first one is bad. Because I like it, them both. No, the second one is good because of the weird, like, clear bottom. The first one blocks his eyes, which is really difficult when you're dealing with Tobias Menesmanis because his eyes are so strong. Tobias who? I'm sorry, Tobias Menzies. Yeah. You are an incredible actor, and I hope from here you become incredibly famous and do all the movies. In fact, Jen and I decided today that you need to do a remount of Midnight Run, you and Duncan LaCroix. (laughs) That's great. I'd watch that. (laughs) I would also accept Butch and Sundance. Uh, Fuck yeah, man. That would be great. You just have to have a staid man and a crazy man, like... 
You could do any of them. Wait, I really want to get as much out of them as possible. How about just a full remount of the odd couple? That would be great. <gasps> <gasps> but, but, but here's the thing. You have to make Duncan LaCroix Felix, and you have to make Tobias Menzies Oscar. Tobias Menzies can do anything he wants. I know. I feel weird saying his name correctly, but it feels right. It is right, right. Okay, now. so so here's the bag. They've so, been in a loveless marriage for a mm, while, baby. Loveless, I don't think is accurate. Sexless, a sexless marriage. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna say that that's kind of the same thing. Uh, I'm gonna I say think... that it's no respect. Okay, no romantic love at all. But I think there is actually respect. I think that except that his mistress shows up at his house. Yeah, that's fucked. But it's but can you really blame him? Because I can't really blame him. I can blame him on the day that his wife graduates from medical yes, school. But I also think that when he says, yes, maybe I wanted to hurt you, he's saying subliminally. Because I don't think it's intentional. Because that whole scene is like, wait, no, you said it was seven. No, it's six. No, you said it was seven. No, it's six. That's the whole mm-hmm. um, I think that he mostly yeah, exactly. wants to be discreet. I think it's a situation that she suggested. I think it was precipitated by her being in love with someone else. A ghost. Literally a ghost at this point. Yes. Um, And while he doesn't do everything exactly right, I honestly think that Frank does about as well as any man could be expected to do in that situation. Now, is is it different in the books? Is it less... Obvious in the books is he more of a villain in the books because that's what I feel like. That's what I feel like people say, like book readers are like, yeah, so, Frank, yeah. well, um, so I, I, well, Tobias Menzies is such a good actor that they understood so what they had. I think yeah. there are people who, who view Frank and the shitty things he does, and he does shitty things. Um, as being well, but so does she. Yes, as being just shitty, as opposed to thinking of them as the actions of a person who has been fucking emotionally tormented for decades, and what that would do to you. And I view it as like if I was in a situation where I promised something to someone I loved, and that promise then affected someone else I loved who was a child. What would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and how would I react? And I don't think Frank is a villain. I think Frank is desperately unhappy and behaves accordingly. And they both do shitty things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't think there is anything wrong with Frank having sex with people who are not Claire. I do not understand... Why people are like, Team Jamie, Team Jamie. What the fuck's that? About? It's a ghost. Yeah. You can't. There's no Team Jamie. You can't. Of course, do first that. of all, what of course you're that? Team yeah. Jamie. The books make it very clear that two people got lucky enough to find like the great love of their life, right? For a hot minute. You but know nobody, what? But accept that and move on. Yes, and we're about to enter territory where people are going to start saying, and as opposed to fuck Frank, they're going to start saying, like, fuck other people, right? And it's just it's just not... I, I'm 100% sure, without going into the sexual histories of everyone at this table, that every one of us has had more than one sexual partner. 
Confirmed. Fair. Also, more than one person that they thought they were in love with. Absolutely. Confirmed. Yep. Right? So it's, it's just that the moment when Claire sees Frank's dead body... We're we haven't even gotten there. Though. I know. Yeah, oh back my up, God. back up. I just got tense thinking about just, just that. Back up. What the fuck's going on? Back up. We're not there yet. Oh, what's happening? We'll get there. Let's oh, go. We'll get there just shit. a second. So, Claire and Frank have two Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf scenes in this episode. One is at the beginning when um, she is having her graduation and he, his mistress shows so up. So, real quick, there are three. There's breakfast. Oh, yeah. There's... Breakfast, breakfast is more like mellow. let's go see a movie. Yeah, and he's like, "No, I've seen I've seen movies. that shit already." Then two, we'll call lunch, which is when after Claire's graduation, right? And she's like, and then the mistress shows up, and Jen and I were both like, "That's the shittiest mistress move of all time." If the wife answers the door, are you like, "Oh, I- I'm sorry, I had the wrong address," and then you go away? <laughs> but that woman, th- oh, just think. That woman obviously was very surprised and just terrified. Did not expect her to open the door. But also, wife opens the door. Oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I meant to go to Walgreens. I'm sorry. Like, it just... Also, okay? Frank, I, I feel like Frank did it. Maybe he cut it a so little close. So then that's he lunch, cut a little close. And then dinner, quote unquote, would be the fight the they have actual after. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf scene, where literally Tobias Menzies is so drunk he can barely stand up. And he is and like then accusing her of, like, you've never been there. I'm taking Brianna to you're, England. No, you're conflating. He doesn't say that when he's drunk. That's a later scene. No, no, no. She's when he's 18. Drunk, she's 18. She can that's do whatever she later, wants. Later, because Claire's graduation, Brianna's a child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the second. Yes, but after Claire's graduation, that's when he's drunk. Mm-hmm. And he says, she says, Did you fuck her in our bedroom? And he says, No, our bedroom is crowded enough, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I write that down. Then years pass and Brianna graduates. Graduates high school. They're together at her graduation. And at the end of the day, she says something and he says, I was thinking about taking Brianna to England. And she says, that's great. When? For how long? And he says, well, I've been offered a position at Cambridge and I want to take her to stay. And then they have like a nasty fight where he says, I want a divorce at long last. Years after she offered it. After she offered it to him the first time and he said no. Because he didn't want to lose Brianna. Yeah, and she's she's 18 now. Yes. Yeah. And now she's an adult. and, And he says, and I think she'll come. And this is something that's not clear in the show that I think is clear in the book that well, at that point says, in their relationship, Brianna probably would actually move to England. Well, with Frank. she she says he says you were between your classes and becoming a resident, you were never here. Yeah, she will come with me, and that really like hits Claire because she's like, oh, you're right. That's a that's a hard place too because like you're talking right. about this. She's she's furthering her life and doing what she wants like to to feel fulfilled, but also is. Like in that sense, ignoring the the love child of her. Right, but also That's Jen said they had this huge fight, right? And she leaves, and Jen was like, "I was so glad she didn't play the Ace of Spades," which was, "She's not even your child." Yeah, mm. but Frank says in that fight, you never looked at her 
and didn't see him. Mm -hmm. And then says, could you, was there any amount of time? Would you ever, if she wasn't around, would you have gotten over him with time? And she says, that amount of time doesn't exist. And then he marches out the door and fucking dies in a car accident. He gets what the fuck? No, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No. No, wait. Janine, back up. Okay. So he leaves. Clara's pooling. And She's pooling. And it's I and I wanna give credit. She's very to good. The episode director, it's this, it's a really beautiful shot. He walks out. It doesn't feel foreshadowy at all, but it is definitely intended to give people like a last long shot of Tobias Menzies. Brent, Brendan Maher. Brendan Maher makes it makes it very obvious that there needs to be one big long final shot of Tobias Menzies. But he leaves. She sits down. She gets a phone call. And then a phone rings and she's like, how far look? Is she in surgery? Do I need to be there? I'll be there right away. So it's very clear she's going back to the hospital. By the way, what's happening with the baby? Who cares? What's happening with the kid? The adult woman. She's 18 years old. She's fine. Great. She's 18. You're right. So Claire goes to the hospital to like do some shit. And then all of a sudden we cut to her. Talking to a patient. Uh, not a patient. A uh, husband. Husband. Oh, yeah. Like she's going to be fine or he's going to be fine. I don't know. Maybe it was his father. I can't remember if she or he. Uh, they're in recovery. You should come back in a couple of hours, like soothing this person. And they're like, thank you. Which is really interesting because a lady doctor in the sixties and somebody wasn't all shitty about it. And then all of a sudden, John, what's his name? Joe Abernathy. Joe Abernathy comes in. The black doctor who was in school with her. Yes. Who, by the way, has had basically nothing to do so far. I need more. Got really robbed in this episode, I think. We got none of the, this is how they became friends and this is why they're so close. Like he just appeared out of nowhere. But still has a moment coming out of the doors of whatever wing he was in where you can tell by the look on his face that he is about to fucking wreck Claire's life. You can tell. And it's very, it's a very good non-verbal acting moment from this actor who didn't get nearly enough to do in this episode. He, mm-hmm. I just looked up his, uh, his IMDb. He has got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things in the works right now. So good. He's very he, good. He, and it's, he seems like he's in demand at the moment. He's right. so very, very good. good actor. So he comes in and he's like, yeah. just after Claire... Like, sets this guy at ease, like, it's fine, they're in, it's cool, and they leave. He comes through the doors, and he's like, Claire, it's Frank, it's a car accident. It was like, boosh. And then Claire goes into the room, and there's dead Frank. (gasps) He's dead. He's fucking dead. There's no, like, oh, he gets a minute to talk to her, or no, no, he's Just dead. So I, um, mostly don't have a problem with this because their relationship. I'm okay with it because it was clean. That's, and that's how it would be. Mm -hmm. There's no way that the relationship was going to end on a positive note. Mm -hmm. She says goodbye after he's gone and maybe he hears her and maybe he doesn't. Um, and she it, does and say, "You are my first love." That's pretty awesome. Which is true. I, that's and I don't think she would ever deny that. And there, even 
when they're in the twin beds, it's very clear that she cares for him. She just doesn't love him anymore. No, that's not even true. She's well, she not can't in look at him when they him. have sex because she he looks like Black Jack. Like yes. she can't literally There's, have sex with him anymore. Yeah. There's no way that that could have ever worked the way that he wanted it to work. Mm. Um, also, this is not in the book, but I want to give a little to Frank when they're having their Virginia Woolf fight when she calls his mistress a whore and he says, "Don't call her a whore." And then starts talking about her professional accomplishments because she fucking gave him permission to have a life outside their marriage. And then she tried to throw it back in his face. And and he stood you up guys, for this woman. Claire is an life. asshole. She's it's a shitty time. You know what? It's, it's one of the things about this series that I really love. Claire is not a saint. Claire is not a saint. Sometimes she's an asshole. You guys all have to know this. So then Frank dies. And, <laughs> and I would like to oh spend the, all debts paid is basically Lord John recharging his debt to Jamie and uh, Frank and Claire sort of clearing their debts to each other respectively without really knowing that's what's happening. And oh my God. I would like to take the rest of this episode before we do our little MVP and spoiler Je suis to talk about Mr. Tobias Menzies. I even want to skip our scales. We're going to skip the scales. We're just going to talk no, about No, we're Tobias just going Menzies. to talk about him because we should. First of all, I want to say it's not impossible that he will come back. There are things in the books Flashbacks, where right? There's more information about Frank and what Frank did knowing that his wife was a time traveler, also, that his daughter might also be a time traveler. Flashbacks in Bree's life, like yes. when she goes back and sees her dad. And there like, are some also like dream or fantasy sequences. We might see him again, but we should not assume we are. So, regardless of, to my affection for the show, I would like to pay tribute to what I think is one of the great TV performances of two roles that are very different and an actor who found I'm ways to crying like right now. <laughs> He's been, very good. I've been like holding back, man. This is fucking horrible. He's so good. He's Damn. very good. And I'm sure he's going to go on to do other incredible things. I would just things. want him to be in Midnight Run. <laughs> <laughs> or the odd couple. Come on, Tobias Mitzi's come through, come through. Let's each take a moment. Julie, what would you like to say to Tobias, who definitely doesn't listen to our podcast? Tobias Menzies. I know you don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> I love the specificity that you bring. You're the best. Janine. Tobias. Toby, as I've said. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen you, I've seen less of you than I've seen other people in the show. <laughs> because you're not in the sex scenes generally. Uh, well, I mean, uh, back that up. Well, but not the sex scenes you guys have shown me. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. totally fair, true. Fair, fair. Uh, I keep thinking you are a different actor. I keep looking up your IMDb to <laughs> see which actor I'm confusing you with. But here's the problem, is that I know you're a better actor than the actor that I'm confusing you with. And I'm upset that you're not taking those roles. I think you're in The Kingsman. You're not. You should have been. And you know what? You're going to be in the next one. I know it. And if not, you're going to be in the television series because you work on a lot of TV, I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. You are a badass motherfucker. And I can't wait to watch you in more. And it hurts me to find out you left the show this way. <laughs> Tobias. 
I need you to know that and one of my editors and I emailed your agent to pitch a story for a column that I do for one of the sites I write for um, about great supporting actors where I basically said, no one is saying that Tobias Menzies is the best actor on TV. You should let me say that. And your agent didn't respond. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I stand by it. Um, and I will keep saying it for as long as I can. Uh, the work that you did on the show was incredible. And I can't wait to see the other things you do. And um, wait, is he coming back on this show? I hope he does. I mean, here's the thing. There is there is more Frank story out there. Mm-hmm. But whether or not the show does that, I have no idea. So it, this might be it. This really might be it. Um, God, I'd love you to buy it. Anyway, thank you for three, well, two point, like, three seasons of great, great, great acting. And... Um, we w- and you know what? We only talk about Outlander, but if you do other things, we will talk about those things on this podcast. <laughs> I can't wait for you to be in fucking Law and Order UK. I can't wait for you, you to be in the reboot of Midnight Run. <laughs> Whatever you're in, we will talk about it on this podcast. Everybody was on Law and Order UK. Oh well, I guess that's that's a little bit like Columbo, right? Yeah. Well, it's a little bit or like, like Law, Law and Order, Order US. US. <laughs> okay, I'm done. So now we're gonna go. Also, we no scales this week, right? No scales. Yeah. Also, Sophie Skelton shows up real briefly as Brianna, and she looks be- she's fine, beautiful. It was short. There was the baby okay. Brianna, and then there was the mid Brianna, and then Sophie Skelton. So, like, real briefly, there's no sex in this episode. The nope. costumes are amazing, and Great. I would never have gotten up to get a beer at all because nope. too much was happening. So, those are the brief scales. I so, might have gotten up to get a beer, but whatever. I I wouldn't. Have. Whatever. The costumes were incredible. Yes. So, um. Neil actually was like, look at that jacket. That jacket is incredible. So like let's shirt. so let's talk about the MVP. The T oh, Lord John Gray. David Barry. Hold on. Whoever that guy oh, hold is. Hold on. The Sorry, TGP. Hold on. Slow your roll. Can't. TGP. We're calling our MVP the TGP. It's the Golden Pample Moose. The, most, the Golden Pample Moose. As named by Dr. J. Thank you, Dr. J. Thank you for teaching us fundamentals. So we're gonna we're gonna first talk about the TGP. And here's the thing. Uh, in almost any other episode of the season or last season or the season before, it is likely that the episode TGP would be Tobias Menzies. And it's mm-hmm. just not in this episode. He does so well, but the he thing is, that much is that both of his scenes are so similar. Although and one he of the best putting TV on drunks ever. Richard Burton drags so hard. It is like fucking Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf two times. This is. I'd like to request this as a scene I get to watch. At the beginning, we'll he's not it. drunk. At the second one, he is fucking hammered. Wasted. But it is literally... Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf drag twice? And he's great, but... But the episode MVP, and I, I assume mm-hmm. Julie and I are on the same page, is David, David Barry, Barry as Lord Junker. For sure. Although, you know what? Solid runner-up, Sam Huon. No, he has the best moment he's ever had. Yeah. And that's great. And you know what? I look forward to more moments like that. Also, Katrina. She's has great. Some great moments. But you know what? Nothing is going to touch Lord John when he talks about his friend that died at Culloden. Yes. 
David Barry, episode TGP, for sure. TGP. Uh, spoiler. The show. Golden Pamplemousse. So we're real quick going to do... Je suis spoiler. The non-spoiler things before we do spoilers. So mm-hmm. um, this is for those of you who don't want to know about things in the books. Um, this is going to be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on... Twitter at PodlanderCast. You can find us on Patreon if you want to be a Patreon patron at patreon.com slash PodlanderDrunkCast. Please do. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PodlanderCast where you can participate in Your Welcome Wednesday, the internet sensation that's storming the nation. (laughs) Um, And we specifically want to thank our Patreon patrons who donate at a level high enough that we say we will say your names. We also, I mean, we want to thank all of you. Thank you to all of you. But uh, specifically, this list got longer this week. We want to thank Amanda Newton, Beth Locke, Flourish Root, Molly Layton, Dr. J, TGB, Lara Magnuson, Friday Payton, Jen Lander Drunklin, still the all-time great of names, Kathleen Moniz, Katie Kirshner, Catherine Galindo, and... Kiki the Wise. Kiki. Want to have a Kiki? Let's have a Lock the doors. Let's have a Kiki. Let's have a Kiki. Let's have a Kiki. um, We want to thank you all. We're getting ready to do t-shirts and also a bunch of other things. So you're the best. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Um, We're going to move into spoilers now, but we will see you next week. If you're not listening, turn off now if you don't want to hear about the books. Je suis... Spoiler. So, uh, God, there's all kinds of shit in this. I don't, I don't know what to tell you because I've never so read the books. It's just, there's like just a lot more depth. So first of all, there's the scene that's cut from Arts Muir where, you know, when Murtaugh's looking at the, the little swatch of tartan. Mm-hmm. So there's a, it's a really important scene in the books where one of the guards finds a swatch of tartan which it, it seemed like it was such a big deal that I he know. like tucked it I back wonder, in the I wonder rocks. if they cut it or maybe we'll see it in flashbacks hence just we spoil it but he hides it somebody hides it obviously not Murta because Murta's dead in the books um no I know I'm really glad that they didn't kill him anyway <laughs> who wants to so, live forever Julie, focus in focus in okay. so um in the books, one of the guards finds a swatch of tar- tartan and says, well, we have to punish whoever this is. And Lord John is like, well, okay, we have to. I have to exercise my authority. This is the law. Tar- clan tartans are banned. So if somebody has this, they have to be whipped. And it's a kid. And then Jamie volunteers to be whipped. Good Lord. So then Lord John has to have one of his guards whip Jamie, oh, Lord. which contributes to the whole thing. So it's a. And it's more of a like he is. And in. Hot? Ja- I, n- no. In Jamie's head, I think it's I'm just going to confirm the thing you already want. And in Lord John's head, it's I don't know why you're punishing me this way, but you must be punishing me for being a homosexual. Like uh. you must be punishing me for how I feel about you that you would make me do this. Because he would oh, so never like do it. So the exact opposite yes. of and Black it, And it takes Jamie oh, God, that's so literally weird. years to figure out that all that Lord John wants to do is help him because they're friends. And that, yes, he's in love with him, but what's actually happening is that they're friends and he cares about him. And there's... Uh, 
it might happen in the show, so I'm not going to talk about it, but I doubt it'll happen. Anyway, the whole point is that John cares very deeply for this person he's become friends with, and Jamie assumes that someone is trying to take it fucking advantage of his position and rape him again. Yeah. Understandably. I mean, well, if you have to By the way, me. that sound that you just heard and then heard again was Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, Julie, rubbing. Hold on, hold on, you guys. Hold on. A growler on a mic. It's my mic. Growler on a mic. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to get some Janine some beer. Okay, so that's point one that I want to make. Point empty. two. Point two is that um, in the books, Frank has affairs and Claire does not. And really? Yeah. Claire doesn't like go get her dick wet? That's sad. Well, Claire is not interested in fucking anyone that isn't Jamie. Because you want to know what? But you know what? I got to say, that's many years of not getting fucked. Well, she's got a pretty solid masturbation routine down, as we've already seen. I guess, but that that's upsetting. But that's her. That's her. Ugh, I guess that's her choice. Different strokes. Just saying different strokes are different folks, yo! <laughs> so... She, in the books, she figures out, she keeps going to faculty parties and seeing students who keep giving her dirty looks while one girl's crying in a corner, and that's how she figures out that Frank is having affairs, um, as opposed to somebody showing up at a doorstep. Gross. Um, I just... Affairs with students? It feels like, and I'm going to say this, I've never read the books, it's very clear, I've made this clear. It feels like the books... Really shit on Frank. Mm. I think it's easier in book form to create somebody who does shitty things and make it clear that they're doing shitty things because of the hand life has dealt them. That's harder in the show. I think Frank well, is... Well, it's also very harder in the show when you have Tobias Menzies being the actor playing Frank. Well, I no, I think it's easier on the show because he can do so much... But that also pisses book readers off because he is... I'm a book reader. I I understand. But he also is, like, so incredible. He's so incredible that I I don't know why anybody would be mad. I'm not saying I'm Team Frank. Because you can't choose teams. There is no team. There is no team is what I'm saying. You can't choose... Based on the show. Maybe in the book you could choose. No, you don't in the book either. Here's what I think. I think um, if you're reading the books and you're engaging on, uh, God, it's not a deeper level. It's uh, on a level where you're trying to empathize with everybody. You can understand what Frank's deal is. Frank was in love with the same woman for many years, and for most of their relationship, she didn't love him. And what would that do to you? And that's what the book explores with Frank. In the show, they explore that, but they have the benefit of a fucking one of the greatest fucking actors on the planet, and I believe that. So they're and able. Tobias Menzies, cheers once again. Yeah. So they're able to go a little bit deeper. We love you, and we I love think you that's so much. wonderful. And. Um, when people are quote unquote team Jamie, they're missing a huge part of the book, which is, I think they're missing, they're missing an actual 
reality. Well, a truth about human relationships. Exactly. Yes. They're and missing I think that the, like, I have been married to this man. The grayness of it all. And the uh, and they're creating a duality of the Lord John grayness of it all. Oh, no, but Luke, no, it's oh, not. Do we just call him Oh Lord now? No, he is he's coin face. face. Oh Lord. So Oh Lord, coin, coin face. face. <laughs> so I think it's also. Do we get to see him make out with somebody? I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, whatever. That's just, that's just a wish for me. That's just something for later. So I think one of the important things is that the book subtextually makes clear that there are all kinds of grievances Frank has that are legitimate. The show makes those more explicit. Well, because they had to buy space. And there is um, fucking one character in the entire series on paper who I think you are not expected to consider their humanity at all. And even them, when they're dying, you still consider their humanity. And that character is not Blackjack Randall, who I think you, despite the fact that he's a fucking sociopath and a sadist, I think in the book, the corpse punching isn't in the book, but I think you're meant to recognize that this is a person who is deeply messed up and still has things about him that are relatable. The most obvious being that he loves his brother in a very primal, deep way. He loves his brother. And that doesn't make him a sympathetic character, but it does make him ever so slightly more Is this for John? No, I'm talking about Blackjack. Okay. And there are all of these characters that you're supposed to, even if they seem one-dimensional... The books and the show make it clear that you should think about who they are and how they got this way. Mm-hmm. And nobody is black and white. And that couldn't be more clear based on Claire alone, right? Like, Claire is sometimes a fucking asshole. And Jamie is like this paragon of he male is, virtue. It, it, here, but occasionally say, he just fucking murders somebody. Right? I gotta say, though, that I've gone to the point with Jamie where I'm like, that person doesn't exist. Well, sure. But the person on the show is also a person who seems like a paragon of virtue who occasionally just fucking murders somebody. No, he's right? just... But Julie, but my point is not about Jamie, so we'll save it for another conversation. Okay. My point is about Frank, which is that if you're thinking about Frank on the show, you have to think about what he set out to do and what he's been through. And what he promised he would do was help Claire raise her child. Mm-hmm. And what he was put through was a woman that he loved in like a bone-deep primal way who met someone else and fell in love with them in a way that was more bone-deep and primal. So, and, and she couldn't have him. So then he was confronted with a woman who used to love him and still cared about him but really wanted somebody else for literally decades. But here's the thing. He will never understand that the truth of why she couldn't open her eyes he will always think it's because she's thinking about Jamie. But, it, but the truth is that she's thinking about Black Jack Randall. Sure. Because he looks exactly like him. But it is also because she was thinking about Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's both of those things. Like, absolutely, she couldn't just have sex with You can't with have friends. sex with Black Jack Randall. No. But 
if Frank had a different face, the problem would be the same. Mm-hmm. It would just be less intense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, I, I think it's complex and to watch the show and not empathize with Frank is to do a disservice to the show and to the actor and to the books. It feels the books like, want all those things. It feels like the show is maybe more empathetic to Frank than the books were. Mm-mm. No, that's just people not doing a careful reading of the books. I okay. promise you. Okay. Uh, it's just easier to get there with the show because Tobias Menzies is so good. But, yeah. Um, um, BTD, let's do it one more time. One more time. Tobias, to thank Tobias you so Menzies. much. You are an incredible actor, and I just want to see you forever. Um, that's going to be the end of Je suis spoiler. Next week, uh, I can already tell that a bunch of you are pissed about Geneva in advance. And just don't be. Just please. I know that there's Candyland shit and just there's a girl that to... makes everybody have sex with Jamie. No, that's not, that's not what it is. Just try to empathize. Just try to empathize with the characters. If there's one characteristic of Diana Gabaldon's writing, it's that she views no character without empathy. Every character she views with empathy. So you should too, and it will make your enjoyment of the show better. My boobs feel wet because it's very hot in here. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. And in that so note, take off all your clothes. I, I am feeling so hot. I, I want to take my clothes off. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everyone.